0: Lord, we, uh, we thank you so much for your word that you, um, you've given us, Lord, as more than just rules or guidelines or something like that. But the living word of God speaking to our heart, uh, changing us. Help us to be changed. Speak to us by your spirit. Um, fill us with your spirit. Give us eyes to see and ears to hear. As you speak to us in this place and that we would be attentive and, and ready to move on what you show us and and um, be receptive, God. So we pray that you would uh, just go before us this morning, minister to each person here as you see fit, Lord, um, that there would be that fitting word for each person that um, shows you're active, you're living, you're, you're moving, you care. And, uh, we pray that you'd speak to us this morning in Jesus name. Amen. So first Corinthians chapter, uh, chapter 15, all about the resurrection, right? It's, we did four parts on it because it was so, I just was so into it and it was so much good stuff in there. Um, chapter 16 is kind of closing out. So Paul's giving them kind of like the, the conclusion to the book, but there's some good stuff in here. Um, and, and. By way of, you know, kind of recap, I guess, the the church was, has been struggling. They've been, God has done an an amazing work in a very carnal city. He has people here. He's moved in their lives. They're using spiritual gifts. They are also selfish, right? They're also um, very cocky and they have trouble with authority. And so Paul has been really trying to get them to understand love and putting others first. And all these things that aren't very popular in the culture that they live in, much like us today, right? Thinking about others, edifying the body, not just yourself. Getting rid of sin because it affects the whole body. And allowing God to to change them and shape them, mold them into what he wants them to be. Paul loves this church, but he also has like... Authority, And he has no problem flexing that with them because he loves them. He wants them to see this is not the way we want to go. Listen, follow, let's go. Okay, so uh, chapter 16, verse 1. Now concerning the collection for the saints, as I have given orders to the church of Galatia, so you must do also. So he says, now concerning the collection for the saints, Obviously, he's responding to something. Remember, there was uh, some some questions and some letters going back and forth. This is him responding to that. So you guys were wondering about the collections for the saints. I'm sure they were like, what's this collections thing all about, by the way, Paul? You know, what is that whole thing about? And, uh, and he says, I've given the orders to Galatia, so you must also do. This was a special collection uh, that we'll see in a second here. It was taken for Jerusalem, the church in Jerusalem. Um, Paul wasn't birthed out of that church, but he recognized that that's where it all started. And they were struggling. Um, Some of the things that we know from learning about the church in Jerusalem is they had a lot of widows. They were dealing with a famine. And that was really a hot, you know, button, hot topic area, you know, where, where they really were trying to weed out. Christians, because this is where it all started, and this is where the original persecution started, which spread the disciples out all over the place, and, and churches were being started all over the world because of the persecution, so he knew that there was something of a heritage, we want to help out the church in Jerusalem. And the main thing probably was the widows and the fact that there was great need there. So he's like, I'm taking a collection. It's probably like a second offering sort of a thing. I'm just, I want to take a collection for, to help those outside of yourself. And so remember the Corinthians didn't like doing things that didn't help themselves. So taking a collection for someone who you may never meet, it does not sound appealing really, right? especially for someone who's, who's selfish and dealing with that. But he's also saying, I'm not just saying it to you. I'm saying it to the churches in Galatia. And we see Paul kind of goes around collecting, and, and, and at, that's his goal. He's going to bring this collection to the church of Jerusalem. He's really excited about doing that. But um, anyway, he required uh, that they gave an opportunity to give. He didn't require that every believer give money. He says, uh, just, I I'm, I'm want you to take a collection. That's that's what I want you to do. Take a collection, and if people want to give, that's great. He didn't say every single person has to give to this. Um, but then he gives some kind of principles towards giving. And you talk about subjects you you like that are interesting to talk about in church is is uh, giving is one of them for sure, right? Um, and I think it's because of what well, we can kind of liken it to spiritual gifts, right? Spiritual gifts are abused often, right? You can see them being abused and the whole overemphasis and kind of, um, I, you know, taking things into your own hands and making it about you. And uh, that's bad. Of course, ignoring spiritual gifts, also bad, Right. So what, what Paul has been trying to work with them is having a balanced understanding. We know that the whole giving and, and being willing to give towards the church, uh, to the, unto the Lord, uh, has been greatly abused. And maybe you've been burned by it, by the way. Right. And you've got the thermometer that tells you, you know, how much you needs. And then you find out that there was corruption and all this and that. And you, you can point to news article after news article, whatever. That's one side and you say, you know what, forget the whole thing. I want nothing to do with it. The other side is not doing it at all and missing out on what God has, has given us to do because he says it's good. It's kind of like, you know, two extremes. We want to be healthy. We want to be balanced. So Paul gives kind of like a, uh, an approach to that. So he says, on the first day of the week, let each one of you lay something aside, storing up as he may prosper, uh, that there be no collections when I come. So first day of the week being what? Sunday, right? That's the first day of the week. Um, and that's when they would meet, right? Um, not, the Sabbath is not Sunday. Sabbath is Saturday, right? But they would meet on the first day uh, as that was the day Jesus rose from the dead, right? So the early church would meet together on the first day. What a great way to start the week, right? It really is. It's a great way to start the week um, and, and to come before the Lord. This is your first uh, action of the week. And therefore, your first fruits are given at the beginning of the week. Okay, Lord, here you go. Here's lay, And he says that each one would lay something aside, storing up as you may prosper. Uh, that you would lay something aside has kind of like the idea of a purposeful gift, a purposeful mindset, you know? Um, And this actually has a couple different things that, that kind of, you could, applications, I guess you could say. When you think about being purposed, it means God has shown you what you should do. All right, Lord, what do you want me to do? What do you want me to give? And then you are prepared with that. This keeps you from two things. One, being too cheap. Before the Lord, where you go? Oh, no, he didn't really say that, you know, or whatever. I changed my mind, or whatever. But saying, "Okay, Lord, I heard you clearly." Here you go. Or the other side is being manipulated because the lights came down and the music got really good, and the pastor all of a sudden went on, was on fire, you know, and says, "We're ready to build a new building next door." Who's? Let's do a second offering and a third, you know, and whatever. So the idea is just before you and the Lord, you do this, and and the idea of giving, by the way, is is everybody's supposed to give something, right? You don't have to, not everybody has to give everything, but the the thing about giving is, is it frees you to say you're not God, right? That's one of the things it does is you go, I'm trusting you, God. And so that means I'm trusting you with my life. And that is easy. It makes it better for me. Um, different people do different, you know, whatever it is that God's put on their heart. Um, some people are in a position where they can give more. Some people are in a position where they can give less. It, I don't, I don't look at it. I don't know. So if you, if you like give a lot and you're like, how come he doesn't like look at me special and like have me sit up on the chair? I'm sorry. I don't want to know because <laughs> I want to offend everyone equally. Okay. Um, But, I mean, not to say I don't see things, because, you know, if it comes to the mail or something, I'm just being transparent, all right? But, like, the whole thing is I don't want to – it's not about that. It's about between you and the Lord doing what he's called you to do, and one of the things I know is that when you do it, it – even though it's always the hardest the first time is God gives you such a peace in knowing you're trusting him. You're taking yourself off the throne and you're saying, well, God, I've trusted you with this. You're going to take care of me. It's your problem now <laughs> to a certain extent. Now, this doesn't mean you live like in a gnarly way or whatever, but because um, we're supposed to be responsible and but I think this is an important aspect is being able to give before the Lord and say, here you go, Lord, um, because I know it's good for you. It's good for me. Um, you gave it all. I'm going to give a little bit back. And and I always, just like reading the Bible, where do you start? You start small. Whatever it is. Or whatever the Lord puts on your heart. I will say this. This church isn't around without generous people. No doubt about it. Okay, But God's grace, we can do what we do. And it's it, this building's amazing, right? And God's used it to do so much and we're so thankful for each person that is involved in that and um, but it it is It's been funny, I've shared this before, the times where we were 300 short and there's a check for 350, where 200, you know, where you've got to make rent or man, things are starting to pile up and then all of a sudden there's a week that's like settles the whole thing and it's even more beautiful when it's to the number. That's something that God does here. We get to experience. It's something you get to experience in giving too, right? when you do that before the Lord. And I've shared my own personal stories of when the first time I gave, cause had never done it before. I was so broke and I was poor and I, I had $60 left from a ski trip or snowboard trip. Cause I didn't go the last day cause I messed up my tailbone and, and God said to give it to me. And I was like, no, that's my money. Um, this is all I have. It's, it's in twenties. It looks so good. It feels good in my pocket, you know? And, and I, and he had, just kind of, because I'd never done it. I'd never, I was giving my life to the Lord, but I hadn't been obedient. And, and, you know, here's the thing. It's not manipulation. And please don't feel manipulated. I'm just sharing my own personal story saying I've been there and I've done that. And, and, uh, the offering goes by and I almost don't do it. I almost don't do it. And it kind of starts going by and you're like, ah, throw it in. You're like, you know, cause you can't break change in the offering bag. It doesn't look good. You know, like, oh, here's that. Can I take like 10 out? So I can eat afterwards and, and, you know, I was 18 years old and, and I had no money, you know, and so I had to go to work and I was going to fill up the tank. I knew I had a little bit in my, uh, savings account. So I was going to pull out a little bit, get some gas and go to work. And, um, I got a Christmas card. Or a birthday card or something. No, it was a Christmas card a month late from my uncle with 20 bucks in it. Yeah, awesome. So I threw it in the tank. And thank you, Lord. That was awesome. And went on my way. And that was Monday. Got to Thursday. Needed gas again. Was going to go hang out with my friends. I was already good. 20 bucks back was amazing. And I uh, put on a jacket I hadn't worn in a while. And there was $40 in the pocket. Which is something I would never have misplaced, by the way. I knew where everything was. So I don't know where that money came from to this day, but it just, it just opened up my eyes to like, God, you are able to take care of me. And I was thinking like, at the end of the day, I was no richer, but I was, I was (laughs) financially. I was no richer, but I, that $60 had, had some weight to it now in my pocket. And I just was like, you did that, God, and it was foundational, and, and it's all part of trust. And anyway, so I'm not saying, like, again, no trips, no weirdness, no nothing like that. Just to say God wants all of us, so so let him, whatever he tells you, just do it, okay? That's it. That's between you and him. There you go. Um, a purposeful gift brought before him, storing up as he may prosper, um, that there be no collections. When I come as you, as the Lord blesses you, you give. And then he's like, cause I don't want to come and have to manipulate or whatever. You guys do it all. It's between you guys and the Lord, make it happen. Whatever the amount is, just, just do it. Just, there's no set amount, even 10% is like an old Testament thing. Um, and it's not a bad guideline or anything like that, but it's be, just between you and the Lord. And, and it's amazing. I've had people say, God told me to give this amount. And here you go. And you go, that's exactly what we needed. And you go, well, that's a good thing. (laughs) And then they go away like that. God used me, literally used me. um, And that's pretty cool. So verse three, and when I come, whenever, uh, whomever you approve by your letters, I will send to bear your gift to Jerusalem. But if it is fitting that I go also, they will go with me. Um, Paul is, is trying to help them understand this is not going into his own pocket, okay? Like, I'm not just going to come and be like, this is a, um, can I have some money for Jerusalem? You know, like the people who come up to your, to your door, and they're like, can I have some money for some people somewhere that need help? And you're like, who? Uh, I don't, some people, they're like far away. Money? Cash? Not a check, man. Like, cash, you know. Uh, I don't know about that. He wasn't, Paul wasn't trying to become like the um, preacher sneakers kind of guy, right? Jacob, you know what I'm talking about? There's, It's an Instagram account of pastors wearing like $800 shoes and stuff. <laughs> anyway. Um, but uh, it, it, he wasn't trying to do that. So he was saying like full accountability before you guys. By the way, you guys also need to understand accountability. Probably Corinth. Usually the people who are the weirdest about money are the ones that are the sketchiest. Like Judas. How dare you? I can't believe you poured out all that oil on that, you know... On the, that she—that would have been worth so much money. What is it about money with you, Judas? Oh, okay, well, you'd sell out your the Savior of the world for a little bit of money, right? Of course, at the end, it all became clear, but it was a little late. So it's you know don't want to be like that. But Paul says, I want you guys to know, I want send someone that you trust to bring it. We'll all, and I'll go with them. We'll go together. There's also value in seeing where the money goes and having someone go and see it for themselves to come back. Right. This morning I, I was waking up at like five, whatever it was early. And I was just like, wake up, wake up. And I saw like a video and it was, um, Uh, The Dodgers put it out, and it was of Clayton Kershaw, who's like, I love Clayton Kershaw. I'm a huge Dodgers fan. You know that. Um, But Clayton Kershaw, is is, uh, he's been their ace forever, and it was about his family. And it said, the Kershaw's on game day. And Clayton Kershaw's known for being this just gnarly, like, grizzled, like he just does not want anyone to look at him or talk to him on game day. And they were talking about like his kids. He has a four year old and a two year old. And they said, they don't know it's game day. They just show up and like, dad, what's up? And and she says, yeah, he's like that. As soon as he goes to the stadium, no one talks to him, but when he's at home, he's good. You know, we kind of hang out together, but it started getting into the story of, um, he's a believer. There's actually an, I am second about him, which is his kind of testimony and his story. Um, but his wife had gone on a mission trip to Africa, um, and, and one year she'd met this girl who was HIV positive, this young girl, and um, her heart was moved and stirred, and it caused them to start this, this uh, ministry, this like um, organization, Kershaw's Challenge and it's raised tons of money and they reach out to Africa they reach out to the Dominican Republic and thousands of kids lives have been changed because someone was able to see what what, what could be done and she called them they were um, they weren't married yet they were engaged i think and she called them and she's like Clayton this is serious out here there's this girl she's you know hiv positive she's got a a, a wound that's a foot long on her leg and it's not healing like we've got to do something and he says what do you need? Anything. I'll send it. We'll do it. Let's do it. And then, so as the years progress, he's, he's this like crazy preparer and these prep, you know, as far as for baseball. So he, he has this throwing regimen and all this and that, but every single summer he'd, or, uh, off season, he'd find himself in Africa ministering to these people and he'd there's a story of a high school baseball player that became his throwing partner in Africa and how cool it was for him because he's, he's Clayton Kershaw's throwing partner, but he's in Africa ministering to the people because he saw the need and his heart was stirred. One of the things that is a big value is these people were able to see, would be able to see what was going on in Jerusalem. And Paul wanted them to be a part of that. See where your money goes. See what this means to people how much you can help someone when they really really need it i think it's also important to note that not everyone who says they need it need it right there's actually some pretty good criteria for who does need it widows are on the list widows that don't have anyone to help them that aren't there and that's someone that should be taken care of and supported and we know that was something that was going on in jerusalem and when there's no one there to help, the church is there to back them up and help them. If you can work, you need to work. If you can, if you can do something to add to it, and you're just not doing it, then that's, that's not a good situation. But you know. um, Verse 5. Now I will come to you when I pass through Macedonia, for I am passing through Macedonia, and it may be that I will remain or even spend the winter with you, that you may send me on my journey wherever I go. For I do not wish to see you now on the way, but I hope to stay with you a while if the Lord permits. So Paul kind of lays out this tentative plan, and Paul's good at a lot of things. One of the things he seems to not be good at is knowing the actual plan for his life. Because it just never goes like he thinks it will go. And so he's learned in these, through these seasons if the Lord permits. Remember? God had used... Uh, the, the Holy Spirit to say, nope, don't go that way. And when we're going through Acts, don't go that way. Don't go that way. Don't go Don't go north. Don't go south. Don't go west. east. Let's go west. And of course, he bridges the gap and he ends up in Europe. And, and the gospel is brought to Europe because God moved him in that direction. So I think Paul at this stage in his life is like, I got ideas. I got plans. But if the Lord permits. <laughs> if this is what he wants, then that's. this is what I'm... Thinking will happen if the Lord permits. And sometimes we can make fun of, you know, the idea of saying like, I'll see you tomorrow if the Lord permits. And you're like, okay, okay. I'll see you tomorrow. But the idea of saying if the Lord permits keeps you in a place of flexibility, right? Where you're like, if something comes and changes my plans, I'm okay with that. Because that means maybe the Lord doesn't want me to do that thing. Or maybe he's got another thing he wants me to do. Maybe there's a different path I'm supposed to take. And so I'm okay with that. That's fine with me. And I think that that's the important part of that is saying, you know what, if things didn't go exactly how I'd hoped they would go. I was thinking it would go that way. And, and you know what, usually what happens when your plans get a little messed up. And it can be nothing like you're, you know, the coffee's not ready on time or something. Like, <sighs> my whole day's messed up because my coffee... Somebody drank the last of the coffee and you're like, you need perspective. Okay. This is not, this is nothing. You, this is nothing. Make more. Not that big of a deal, right? It would be all right. Or man, this traffic jam. You know, like that's, you get all of a sudden you get on the freeway and it's, it stops. <clears throat> ah, you know, we, we were just spent the week at, um, or Wednesday through Friday in Sequoia and um, with, with Kellen and Allen, and the kids and, you know, scared all the bears away. Um, but we're driving back and it's a long drive back. And and uh, we came through Visalia. In and out was insane, you know. And it's a hundred and something outside. It's super hot. And we're sitting out there melting and eating or whatever. And we're like, let's go to Starbucks. Okay, sure. So we get in. We're going to go through the drive through at Starbucks. And I don't know if it was like a sorority ordering 300 Frappuccinos or something, but the line completely stopped. Like it was stopped for like 10 minutes, like not moving at all. And you're stuck. And I'm considering driving over a bush and, you know, like changing my whole, life and everything. And I said, I said to Tori, I feel like just laying on the horn. Like wouldn't that be the worst thing ever. Like everyone's sitting there just going eh, and everyone else goes, what, what, what can we do? There's nothing we can do, you know, or getting out of the car and being like, do you need help? Can I help you? Like, uh, you know, like I can, I can put some ice in a cup or something. What do we need? You know, but it's like, what, a, what a crazy. And I just like sitting there, just, you know, this is crazy. And so you could let yourself get full on stressed, or you could turn on the music and pump Tower of Power, you know, with the kids, because it was like our driving music, you know, and they're like, whoo, you know, get get a little bit of you know, soul vaccination happening, you know, and all of a sudden we're we're good to go, you know? And let's just enjoy this. Let's have fun, let's be wild, and kids scream it up. We're gonna have fun right now, you know? This is where we're at. We're just nowhere else to go. This is where we're at. I think Paul understands that because he's had his plans changed a lot. It's important to like be willing and understand your plans will change. Look back, think back of your life, five, 10, 20 years ago. Has it gone exactly like you thought it would? No. (laughs) Has everything gone according to plan? Let's say this last week. No. (laughs) No, of course not. But staying flexible to that is important. Proverbs sixteen nine, right? Iconic verse. Uh, a, a man's heart plans his way, but the Lord directs his steps. It's not bad to have a plan, but it's important to understand that the Lord will direct your steps. I think it's important to have a plan. Without a vision, people perish, right? It's like, this is important to have a plan, to have a vision, to, to have an idea, but... Let the Lord direct your steps. I've said before, my heart was to go on the mission field, and that was my plan. And it wasn't a bad plan because it got me into the ministry, and I never went on the mission field (laughs) except for short-term trips. Now I don't even want to go. So now, of course, God's going to be like, well, time to go. You know, (laughs) now you're ready. But he made it clear. I... I'm this is what I'm thinking if the Lord permits verse eight, but I will tarry in Ephesus until Pentecost for a great and effective door has opened to me. And there are many adversaries, uh, Acts chapter 19. If you look at that, you'll see what's going on in Ephesus and it is a wild story going on over there, right? It says there was unusual miracles and handkerchiefs healing people and all kinds of crazy stuff that Paul's dealing with also riots Crazy stuff going on in Ephesus, right? A lot of highs and a lot of lows. But it's that mindset of, if the Lord permits, says, Paul says, a great and effective door has opened to me, and there are many adversaries. There's a door that was opened to me. You can't see a door open to you if you're not um, supple, uh, flexible to what the Lord's doing, right? You can't see the door. The door just makes you mad. Another door. I don't want that door. I want that one over there. I'm going down the street. No, no, get out of my way. You know, like God's, like, eh, this is the one. And so Paul's saying, hey, I'm in Ephesus. Didn't even plan on being here this long, but God's doing something. So I'm hanging out here until he tells me to move. Glean this, take this in of a man who has been really following God's plan and will for his life. What, what do you want me to do? Well, I want you to be where you're at. Bloom where you're planted. Yeah, I have ideas, I have things I would like to do, but I'm here right now, and I'm going to be all here right now. And God used him to do mighty things in Ephesus. God puts us where we need to be, uh, just, we just need to allow him to use us in that season, in that place, right? And sometimes you're like, I don't like this season. I don't like this place. That's okay. The nice thing about seasons is they do change, right? Like just when you're like, I'm so done with summer. Then all of a sudden it's fall. Then all of a sudden it's winter. And you're like, where's summer? I miss summer, you know? It was hot, and I liked that. Now I'm cold. Everyone's sick all the time. What happened? I'm so not into this, you know? But there's seasons. The seasons come, and the seasons change, and and there's there's highs, and there's lows. But it's important to get what we need to get where we're at. God, this is where you've put me. This is something I would have never chosen. But I'm here, and I don't want to make this double hard by missing out on things you want to teach me. So I have to learn them later. It also gives you purpose for like, you know, I'm in a down season. God, what do you want to do here? We could do some cool stuff here. You could show yourself off here in this place. You can do things in this place that are beyond anything I would imagine in my own, you know, mind. So, um, just a couple things I thought were really cool. Verse 10. And if Timothy comes, uh, see that he may be with you without fear. For he does the work of the Lord as I also do. Therefore, let no one despise him, but send him on his journey in peace, that he may come to me, for I am waiting for him with the brethren. Um, poor Timothy, right? Like, this is like the things Paul has to say. Hey, when Timothy comes, will you please be nice to him? Don't despise him. You're like, I'm sure when Timothy is like, why would they despise me, man? You know, like, uh, what is it about me? You know, and, and even in First Timothy, he says, let no one despise, we know, your youth. It seems like Timothy uh, might not have the most authoritative uh, personality. And we know Corinth is savage, man. If If they're willing to go after Paul, who absolutely did have that authoritative thing going on, he's like, you guys might eat my boy Timothy up if we're not careful here. And Paul saw Timothy as a son. But Timothy was in a, a faithful worker. He was someone he says, he is a, a, a uh, he does the work of the Lord. And so you guys need to respect him and honor him and love on him. And, and don't despise him. You know, this is, this is, this guy's coming and it's going to be good. You need to listen to him. You need to honor him. You need to love him. You need to not blow him out of the water with all your, your craziness, Okay? All your re- rebellion. Listen to what he says. Be in that place where you, you're able to hear from someone that maybe you wouldn't necessarily want to hear from or wouldn't think you would hear from. You ever had that where someone speaks to you and you're like, I didn't think I'd learn anything from you. You know, <laughs> I think that's probably weird for a parent when they're all of a sudden their children starts teaching. They start teaching them things. You're like, "Whoa, uh oh, <laughs> how did that happen? You know, like. No, I'm supposed to say that kind of stuff to you. And anyway, um, verse 12. Now concerning our brother, Apollos, I strongly urge him to come uh, to you with the brethren, but he was quite unwilling to come at this time. However, he will come when he has a convenient time. This sounds a little bit like beef, doesn't it? Right. Paul's kind of like Apollos, because remember there was like this whole Paul-Apollos thing, and Paul loves Apollos, but he's like, I was trying to get him to come, I really tried, I strongly urged him to come see you guys, but you know what, when he has time, okay, we don't want to um, inconvenience Apollos at all, I think uh, Paul's not necessarily right on the money about that, right? Sometimes you think things, and it's just not the truth, right? You think that things are a certain way, and and they just aren't. But one of the beautiful things we see about the apostles is there isn't this crazy hierarchy where he says, I made Apollos come to you. He says, I I urged him to. He didn't. Okay, whatever. He'll come to you when it's convenient. I know it would be good for you guys, but, you know, whatever. Let him do his own thing. Let, Let God deal with that. Let him run his own race. And running our own races is essential, right? You're going to go crazy trying to run somebody else's. You're going to go crazy trying to run somebody else's life. Especially because God's not speaking to you directly for them like he's speaking to them for them, right? Maybe Paul thought he should be there, but he really shouldn't be there. Maybe there's something else going on behind the scenes. He just doesn't know, and Paul's just kind of an intense guy, and whatever. So... He's saying, I wish Apollos was there. He's not there. I strongly urged him to come, but, you know. And I, I saw a, a quote, it was like Babylon B, I think it says, this just in everyone's opinion is correct, right? This is the world that we live in, right? Everybody's opinion is correct, you know? Like, And that's Paul, right? He's like thinking, I'm thinking, I know what's right. And Apollos is thinking, I know what's right. And I have it all figured out. And um, it's so easy, by the way, it's so much easier to figure out other people's lives than your own, isn't it? I can't figure out my own life, but I can figure yours out because yours is easy. Super cinchy when I don't have all the details, you know. No problem. Oh, yeah, yours. It's just real simple, man. This is all you got to do. But yours, you're like, no, but there's so many extenuating circumstances, Lord. You don't really understand where I'm coming from here. Oh, there's so many things that you didn't factor in the God who created the universe to like the, the smallest cells. So many things you've missed. And me, with my track record of always catching everything, I see it all. You're missing out a little bit here. No, the idea is this. And sometimes there's value in being able to speak into someone's life with simplicity because you kind of have that, like, 30,000-foot view you're like, oh, look, there's Kansas City. That's cute, you know, when you're flying over it, right? You're in the middle of it. You're like, there's a building here. There's a building here, you know? You drive through L.A. We just drove through L.A. And you're like, this place is big. When you stand up, 30,000 foot view, you could see, oh, okay. I can see how they laid out the city. Oh, there's the valley. Look how it comes. That's pretty cool. It all works out. And we can be used in each other's lives to speak truth. That's simple that you can see things, the forest for the, tr- you miss the forest for the trees, right? Sometimes in our own lives, we get so stuck on little things. We need people to speak to us about Others, but at the same time, we got to recognize, man, we got to run our own life, run our own race and allow God to say things and, and speak to people in a way that he does it. Because if you're the one that's always coercing people and doing, that means you're putting yourself in the place of God and that's bad for them. That's a weird thing for them and it's weird for you. It's not where you belong. Let go. They belong to God. That is their child, his child. That's his son. That's his daughter. Let it go. Give advice where you can. Pray more than you speak about it. Pray for them and watch God do it. That's like one of my favorite things because there's been times like as a pastor where you're like, man, I don't like that thing. I don't like seeing that in their life. It's poison. It's so bad. And you're like, let's get in there and let's do some surgery. Let's start getting a little speck out of their eye and the the planks just keeps getting in the way. That's the problem, right? And you're just like, man, I want to see this change. I just don't like this. And all of a sudden, you're like, all right, whatever, whatever. I can't do that, Lord. This is your deal. You do it. And all of a sudden, they go, you know what? God has been showing me that I don't need to be doing this thing anymore. This isn't where I belong. And you go, he, to- he told you that? Okay. Well, if you think so, you know. And then it's, they're convinced, right? Why? Because God did it. He gets the glory. It sticks. When you do it, all of a sudden you look legalistic, and you look this, you look that. Because without a heart change, it's just slapping your wrist until I get the response I want. No, it's got to be a heart change. You stay open to that, right? We need to stay open to that personally, individually, but also to allow that to happen in other people's lives. Sometimes it takes time, way more than we would ever expect. Remember, God's super patient. He sh- it seems to me like he should have wiped the world out a long, long time ago and many, many, many times since, right? But he's patient. And a lot of us are, are here and in the fold because of him, right? So, I don't know. Inc- there's some good encouragement in that, I think, uh, of understanding, you know what? He's God, we're not. He speaks to us. Our job is to be able to listen to him as he speaks to us. God, what are you saying to me? How do I respond to that? Not other people. Don't worry about them. That's between them and God. And if you're really concerned, pray that God would get a hold of their heart. See, you do that in prayer. Let's talk. We're prayer. Let's let's talking to them. We're talking to Him. And you move forward in that and see God do miracles, which is good. I struggle with this sometimes because I'm kind of like aggressive sometimes, if you haven't noticed, you know. And so I, I I can... Beeline it into something without thinking and knock over a lot of things on the way, you know, like (laughs) break a thousand dollars worth of stuff to save a $5 thing. You know, um, that's not the way to be. We got to be, have that mindset to say, all right, Lord, this is your problem. This is your child, but I know you want to speak to him. I know you answer prayers. I know whatever. All right, Lord, this is it. Apollos doesn't want to go. That's fine. God, I pray if he's supposed to go, you change his heart and then he would go. There you go. <laughs> That's your kid, not mine. I can't let be stressed out about him. I can't hit live his life. I can't be weird about it. Same thing with, with all of this stuff. Everything that we've gone through, in, in, through the scriptures, Like, don't worry about it. Just let God do it. Let him minister. Let him speak. And, and when God speaks to you and asks something of you, trust that he's good. He's got the best plan. He knows what he's doing. And there's blessings that, that, that align and, and come with aligning yourself with him and following him. So we want to be in that place. He's already shown us he's good. He died on the cross. He rose again. He took away our sin. He gave us eternity with him. He helps us. Gave us a helper. He's good. Case closed. So let's just find that he's good in everything we do. And trust him. And that he's also not just good. He's capable. He's able. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you so much for who you are. Your A good God. You're so faithful. You're so able. You're so capable. You're so beyond anything we could ever...